0: Welcome to Above and Below, a salt life podcast where we're going to be exploring above and below the surface. We'll take in a deep dive into the world of fishing, diving, and surfing. Every week we're going to sit down with experts to learn more about them and get their freshest, hottest takes on all things salty. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Above and Below, a salt life podcast. Online right now, super froth right now. We got Cameron Kirkconnell. This guy's always traveling and around the world so i'm stoked to finally get you on here dude
1: yeah man thanks for having me it's been cool to watch uh all the other ones you know and see all of our buddies and hear such good stories like um you know you and i are talking about it you know before and you know it's rare that we have a chance to like like chill and and just talk you know stories so yeah i'm fired up
0: so uh what are you up to
1: i just got back i just got back from a trip. i just got back yeah and um it's been knock on wood, man. I've been really blessed, you know, to to stay really busy throughout all this COVID stuff. I know people are suffering and it's been tough or whatever, but um, I've been really, really lucky to to just keep on traveling. Basically, anywhere that it's open, we've been able to go. So we've we've still done like all these cool, crazy spearfishing trips, and that that's what I do for a living. Is I take people spearfishing, and um, I broker their boats. I help buy and sell their boats. So I'm always on the water doing cool stuff, but. If you um, look on Instagram, you'll see the place I went to is called North Sentinel Island. I don't know if you saw really? that or whatever. So look, nah. look that up when you get a chance. So that's one of these these last remaining like super remote places that they've never seen the outside world. And not too long ago, people went there and they were like getting spears thrown at them. Um, is that it? So- that's, uh, that's a picture from there. Um, but as you well know, as a surfer or whatever, like you got to blow a bunch of smoke and mirrors, man. That's not where we were. (laughs) Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Like I never say where we are. Like it it blows me away with social media. You like people, you know, blow up surf spots or dive spots and fishing spots. And, you know, the reason to travel is to get away from everybody. You know, all the hard work and money we spend, I don't want to go you know, get there and have an amazing day and tell people exact time and place and, you know, where where it all...
0: um, Where have everybody show up?
1: I thought you were in Tahiti. No.
0: Dude, what? I was literally going to text you because I was like, dude, are you in
1: Tahiti right now? Because this swell is insane there. Yeah, that's something interesting to talk about for us is like I'm always... As much as I love spearfishing, I love surfing as much. I'm just not as good at surfing. And like when I... I'll give you a little background. So I got out of high school, went to U.S. Merchant Marine Academy and got out of there and started working on ships. And, like, my second ship was in a place called Diego Garcia in the middle of the Indian Ocean. Um, You have, like, the Maldives below India and then Chagos Archipelago below that. And there's, like, beautiful swell, clear water. And, you know, it's just an epic place. And from there, I went to Bali for the first time and just got you know, fell in love with spearfishing for dog tooth tunas and the big, you know, mackerel and the Balinese people and traveling really remote. But I surfed and dove, you know, about the same amount. But the better I got at spearfishing, the less people came to go surf with me. So my surfing skills have like, probably come down a little bit. And I'm so spoiled from having been to God knows how many, I think I've been to like 90 countries. Are you kidding Um, me? Yeah, dude, I've been so many places. That is so oh, that sick. sick. Like, name five places I bet you have been. Indo-Australia,
0: I don't know, Africa. Yep. Have you in know Africa?
1: Oh, yeah. All over Africa. Have you hunted in Africa? I haven't. Like, my big thing with hunting is if I'm going to hunt, I want to hunt something that's good to eat. And uh, part of that whole experience is, you know, being with your friends and, you know, being able to bring it home and cook it and all that. And, uh, you know, I'm it's there is some really good stuff there to eat but most of the times we go to africa we're going for dog tooth tunas and we're going to like super remote like that's the most remote i think i've ever felt is being on some of those coastlines and like looking ashore and seeing guys like literally in like the loincloth and uh you know being like (laughs) we're not stopping here we're gonna keep going that's pretty
0: heavy yeah is the water
1: like super cold over there or is it
0: It kind of depends depends. on where you're
1: at. It depends, man. Like, have have you ever surfed in Japan?
0: Yeah. I surfed the Sea of Japan in the snow.
1: That's pretty wild.
0: So, okay, so so
1: you're backside. Yeah. Right. So, before ever traveling there, I had no idea what to expect. And it would be like, I think it was like January or February, and we were in Okinawa. And, um, like, as we were getting to the island, you know, this is when I was working on the ships. Like, I saw all these buoys. So... I just marked them on the GPS and I like, I used the ship to like mark them. And then we got into Japan or got into Okinawa and I talked to the agent and I was like, Hey man, like, I love to spearfish. I love to fish. Can you get me a boat to go out there? And, um, sure enough, like the, the next, you know, week he comes, he's like, yeah, man, I got you set up. So I asked the captain for the day off and the, uh, this guy comes alongside with this like traditional, you know, Japanese fishing boat. I like climb down the ladder, get on there, wave goodbye. The guy doesn't speak a word of English. I don't speak a word of Japanese. And I just showed him the GPS numbers. I was like, this is, this is where I want to go. So we go out there, get out there. And like, he gives me like a rice ball with like some fish in it. Like for, you know, for breakfast, we get out there and I was like, okay, go up current. And I'm jumping in here. I jump in and like first dive, I shoot a wahoo. And as the... As the buoy comes by me, I had my second gun on the, on the buoy. I grabbed that gun, shoot a mahi, and his eyes were, like, this big. He was like, holy cow, because he full-on, like, thought I was going to die. Um, throw those in the boat and just had, like, one of the most epic days ever. I think I had, like, 13 or 14 wahoo and, like, 20 mahi. A couple of yellow fins. You like, It was out of control. I didn't even know but. those fish were over there. I guess, I guess it's I guess from the ship. You're hundred feet in the air. But Dude. what what I didn't realize, you know, growing up, you know, before the internet and all this stuff, like the only spearfishing I thought existed was like in the Caribbean and in Florida. Like I didn't realize yeah. it could be done all over the world. And there's a current that's exactly like our Gulf stream over there on the, on the East side of Japan called the Kuroshio current, which brings this warm Gulf stream water basically up the coast. So, while you are in the sea of Japan, that East side of Japan is kind of like North Carolina, you know, it has this warm water coming through there. So, you know, where I was going with that is like, I'm always watching the weather everywhere in the world. Like, I know you guys watch it for surf for doing your strike missions, but for diving, it's the same. Cause like now that I've, you know, I've got guys that can do the trips and we'll say, okay, these are your two weeks. We're going to go wherever in the world is good. And that was always my drive is to go to the absolute best place at the best time and get the biggest fish. Like I always wanted world records and obviously in trying to get world records, there's a lot of days that you're not shooting fish. So most days I'm shooting like something about this big, you know, for dinner and letting plenty of big fish go. Cause my mindset always was, you know, say the, say the record for, you know, yellowfin tuna is, is 250 pounds if you shoot a 200 pounder he's never going to have a chance to get there and you can tell like you know that fish is going to get there so let that one go shoot a 50 pounder so many many times you know i let incredible fish go in hopes that i would be able to get the records and yeah it's uh, it still drives me to this day (laughs) like i figure you know if if i'm going to spend my own personal money and go to a place like i want to blow it up like i want the best chance for like epicness.
0: Have you ever uh, fished like super, super cold water spearfished?
1: Yes. And again, like before we knew about like good wetsuits and stuff, uh, New Zealand and South Australia. Speak, actually, here's a good question for you. Have you ever had an encounter with a great white? I have, yeah. Tell In me Oregon. Oh, God. Um, we surfed
0: a wave just south of Lincoln City. I was on my, actually, no, I was paddling. I was at the wave. We were trying to paddle surf this wave that you're supposed to tow.
1: Is that the one up uh, north of San Fran?
0: No, no. no. So this one's like uh, northern Oregon. It's called the Yeti. It's it's psycho. Anyway, so I tried paddling that way for a little bit. My buddy started yelling at me. He's like, dude, get in, get in, get in. And he came and got me on a ski. But um, he saw the shark at first. And then like two seconds later, I saw the fin just like kind of pop. Both fins just like roll. So I guess there's like a huge, a huge white that lives out there. And he just cruises like super sketchy. I mean, every time I'm up there, I'm kind of sketched out because it's freaking cold water. And like, that's all your mindset's thinking about is like seeing a great white. But Jesus. Yeah. That's the, that's the only encounter that I've seen like had where I was like kind of nervous. Cause it was pretty close to us. If I was on the jet ski, I'd have been like, yeah, whatever. It's all good. But I was in the water. So
1: those things are no joke, man. Like, I don't think people understand, realize how big they are. Like, I mean, I couldn't tell you a day in the last thousand days of diving that I have not seen a shark, but the difference between most sharks, even a big tiger shark and a great white is a night and day different animal. Like a great white's mouth is bigger than my shoulders for the most part. And their wingspan is like a, it's a car, like their backs are gigantic. So they're not phased in the least about an animal our size knock on wood man i have not had very many encounters with them um i've really only had two uh, the first was in really cold water in australia that's what made me think of it um and i was i was living in australia at the time and i got an invite to go down south um because the marlin were like going off and i'd never shot a marlin so we went down south of uh of sydney and um met some guys that I'd never been diving with or whatever and they're like come on you know let's let's go dive so we go out there and we dive this spot and long story short, I shoot, I shoot this, this marlin, like probably a 250, 300 pound marlin, it wasn't a giant one. And as you can imagine, they're crazy strong. So it's like towing me yeah. and the boat picks up all the guys or whatever, and it's towing me along or whatever behind it. And I'm like, you cheering. And I look over at the boat and all their eyes are like just giant, like Japanimation eyes. eyes. They're like, just like freaked out looking, and I was like, okay, you know, they're they're stoked on you know the marlin or whatever. So towing, 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 and then blah, 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 and it's gone. And I'm like, what the heck? And the boat okay. like right there picks me up, gets me in, in the boat, and um, I was like, oh, can't believe I lost it. Like the line was broken. Like I, you know, the best chance we've ever had for marlin. I think we'd already seen like ten in the day, and I was like, dude, let's go back, let's go back. And it's just like high spot out in the middle of nowhere, and they're like. Nah, I like, We're not going back. Eh, let's go and show on and shoot some kingies. I was like, Are you freaking kidding me right now? I was like, We're going back here. No one has ever seen this many more than a day. We're going to go back. I'm already like re rigging. I was like, Get back in the water. And there's like five guys. And they're like, No, we're not getting in. I was like, You freaking see, like going off on them. Finally, one guy's like, All right, I'll get in with you. So we get in, dive, and sure enough, we see another Marlin. And after about 30 minutes, I mean, the guy's like right next to me the whole time, too. I'm like, dude, spread out, like get on the other side of the bait ball, like give, me some, give me some room, man. He's like, nah, nah, I'm, like, I'm going to stay right here by you. <laughs> so finally he's like, come on, let's, let's get out, let's get out, let's get out. I'm like, Shh. so we get back in the boat and I'm like hammering these guys. I'm like, you freaking pansies, like we, you know, you talk so much about want to do blue water hunting, da, 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 da. We're heading to the next spot. and I'm like sulking in the back, having a beer. And uh, we get to the next spot and they're like, mate, we didn't want to tell you, but as you were getting towed along, a big white pointer came screaming past you <laughs> and get you your mile and cut it in half and then tore it all up. I was like, what? You guys let me get back in the water.
0: You know what the gnarliest part about that is, is Australians are psycho too. So for them to say something, it must have been like a pretty big one too. Oh man. I've seen, I've seen a lot. Like I've been out in the water a ton around here in California where I see them breach and stuff. Like, have you seen those videos like lowers last year where they're just breaching everywhere? All the juveniles. It's those little ones, right? Yeah. The little ones. Yeah.
1: Colin says he sees them like
0: every time he paddles out the back. Yeah, for sure. But whatever, dude. Like (laughs) those are little. They're in the the ocean. Like, what are you going to do?
1: Yeah, so I want I wanted to ask you like the, you know even even when I was like in the best shape of my life surfing and diving and doing everything, like I still had a couple of like really serious beat downs like in Indo and Indo's, you know I would much rather surf reef breaks than than beach breaks like I'm sure Puerto like just holds you down forever but. I can hold my breath for a long time. I think my longest is like 545. Wow. I would think that I could hold my breath and like survive, you know, any kind of beatdown. And even when like Mark Healy and I were traveling together, he'd like, you know, try to get me to come do some waves. And I'd be like, nope, not for me. But I mean, like, how do you, how do you prepare for that? Um... (laughs)
0: I don't really prepare for it, to be honest. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I've taken a couple of breath enhancement classes. Like, I'll, if once winter starts coming around, I'll start training and, like, not drinking and, like, go at it. But I think for me, like, I I don't know. I tell people this all the time, but I really enjoy getting absolutely destroyed underwater. I don't know what it is. Like, it's, it's a peaceful state of mind for me. So, like, and it depends where you're at. Like, you were saying, Puerto, like, is like super super violent. And it, it can be a really long hold down, especially with like the currents and everything. I feel and like it
1: just keeps going on the beach breaks. Like it, it definitely never can. End.
0: And you get absolutely destroyed. If you get sucked inside, like unless you're in a rip current on the way out, like you're getting absolutely destroyed because you're either trying to paddle in or paddle out and you're just getting hammered by waves. So that sucks. But um, I don't know, you kind of get in the fight or flight mode. You know how it is, dude. Like yeah when you're in the fight or flight mode, you'll survive. And like Mavericks and like Nell Scott or Jaws or any of those waves, like it sucks. Don't get me wrong. Like getting beat down sucks. And like holding your breath is horrible. And like you get contractions underwater because you're paddling in and your heart rate's up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know, dude, you kind of get used to it. I don't, I I, I don't know how to explain it. Like uh, you just got to come surf with me and just send it at Mavericks or something. You'll like get one beating and you'll be like, Okay, that really, really sucked, but I'm down for this. Like when you get the adrenaline rush of like getting mm-hmm. a good wave too, you're just like, that's why I do this. Um, yeah. But yeah, there is training. Like you definitely got to like know when to like, when your limitations are. Like when my fingers start tingling, I know that I'm about to pass out. So I pull the yeah, vest. For
1: sure. And for, for you guys watching, like listening or whatever, like Kieran surf some huge waves, like, one of the handful of guys in the world that can like charge these really, really big waves. And, you know, all of us mortals, you know, would love to think we can do it. And, you know, I, I fully understand you're, you're talking about like the high, you know, the adrenaline fight or flight or whatever. Mike, one of the biggest days I ever surfed was in, was in Indo and there was probably 20 people out. It was what I would call probably like 10 foot, 10 to 12 foot, yeah. which is like triple overhead. And not like top to bottom, like pretty, pretty chill wave. But of those 20 people out, only three people were catching waves. And I was like so on fire, like I'd paddle right back to the peak, catch another one. And there was only like three of us catching waves. And I paddled in from the outer reef. And on the way back in, I was like, oh, my God, Like I thought I was having a heart attack. And I got in and I could like barely breathe by the time I got in. at some point during the session, I'd broken my ribs. And I was no so way. fired up that I like didn't even didn't even notice and like I was I, I tried to go and surf like another break and I, I couldn't even get out and you know luckily I had somebody there take care of me during the time but I don't know how you guys do it man kudos to you guys for for charging that stuff I'm glad I don't have to do that dude it's
0: it's it's so much different I feel like than like especially like Indo Indo is so shallow all those ways break shallow like if it was 10 foot in Indo, I'd probably be more nervous than
1: it's still got plenty of water though. It's not, it depends on the wave though too. Like that's the thing. Like, you know, if you read about waves, like you read about Uluwatu and Padang Padang and Yang Yang or whatever, like, (laughs) like tide makes a big difference. Yeah. You know, the, the, the swell angle makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. Picking the right wave. Like the first and the fifth wave of the set are going to have a different amount of water on the reef. And yeah, it's, you know, you're, profession is you know to know that stuff and like the the layman doesn't know that stuff you know the the random joe
0: yeah that's so, that's, that's true yeah at big wave spots too i mean knowing the the tides and everything too like if, if there's a con like if i'm in a contest like for that Nell Scott reef pro event that i do up in oregon like if i get an early heat in the winter time and like i look at the tides i'm like oh it's a low tide so it's going to be drying off the reef i'm like I'm pretty stoked on that because it's still really deep out there. So that place needs a really, really, really big swell to break. And mm-hmm. if it's low tide, I'm like, there is pot- potential for a really good left and a potential for a really good right. And like Kyle Lenny got that right there that he got absolutely barreled. And I've never seen somebody in Oregon at that wave get barreled. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. how he did it. I don't know where he saw that thing coming from, but he got the sickest barrel there and i was just like what the heck but that was on a low tide so yeah tides have a huge huge uh swing on the waves potential
1: yeah how funny is it like you know growing up you know you, you just went to the beach you didn't think about it it's just like yeah whatever is there you surfed <laughs> you know whatever See, the I, conditions I,
0: I wake up every day and i'm like looking on surf line or whatever like looking at the wind looking at the tides looking at the swells but not just looking at like Oh, it's one to two foot poor affair. fair. I look at like, oh, it's two to two to three foot at sixteen seconds or whatever. You know, you look at the swell periods and you look at the direction of the swell and it's crazy. It's so specific, man. You guys you probably know? you probably look at that as a spearfisher too, though, because there's oh, so dude. many
1: currents that bring in fish. I have it's funny because I've passed it on to my son and I don't I don't know how, but I have the worst FOMO. Like if you're missing out. <laughs> And with with spearfishing, obviously, um, you know, if there's a chance of me being a savant at all, it's for spearfishing stuff. And the way my mind works, like I'm looking at the whole world all the time, all the conditions, the moon, everything like that. And God forbid someone puts a photo up on any social media. I guarantee you I can find out when and where that was.
0: That's so funny. It's
1: the it's the. The best and worst thing, like social media, like is an essential thing for, you know, my business, obviously. But at the same time, like I have to be so careful putting stuff on there in my mind because yeah. I think that everybody thinks like me. And I know that's not the case. But if I can think like this and the way I you know put things together, I know there's other people doing that. And same thing with waves. Like you can see a wave. Say there's 20 big wave spots in the world. Guaranteed, I can pull up a picture of any wave in the world, you know, and I can give you two things about it. I can give you the time of year and one of the people that's there and you can find out what wave. it is For sure. You know, it's the same thing with spearfishing. And I've always held the stuff like really close to my chest because, you know, my drive was always a world record. And I know the values that I hold, you know, when I go to a place and respect it. And it's it's just not the case with everybody else. So, I'm like crazy psycho about like protecting spots and protecting you know contacts for boats and everything because people go and screw places up. Like 100. One of my favorite places in Indonesia. It took me six years to even find it, and it came from a recommendation from a buddy. A buddy was like, "Go to this place and check it out." So me yeah. and two other guys went there and like had a fantastic trip. I shot a world record dog tooth tuna. We shot a couple other good ones within like two years. Somebody found out about it and they just wiped it out.
0: Yeah. That's the, that's the problem though. I mean, I know surf spots that nobody knows about, you know, like you have to have the ability to trust somebody to not say anything too. it's tough, man. It's just super hard because you want to take photos and you want to take videos, but you also need to take the photos and videos where you can't see any backdrop. You right. can't see anything like your photos that you're posting are wide open ocean. So it doesn't matter. Like shit, I'm going to take a photo right now. Cool. I'm holding this fish. Like I would think it's in freaking Cabo, you know, like whatever right. you could That's why I always tag. Like if there's a certain spot or something, I'll like tag New York or I'll tag, uh, Leemore, <laughs> California, Kelly Slater's wave pool,
1: just the most <laughs> random spots but you can't really tell where it's at, you know what i mean? So you'll you'll appreciate this. So i i'm super sensitive to this stuff. So anytime you see this, it's total BS. But um you know, people will be in the boat and they'll like take a pic, they'll be like videoing like the fish or whatever and they'll like scan around or whatever and the GPS will be there and they'll, you know, the position on the GPS, I'll always have the position on the GPS. I'll have the cursor some random place like 5,000 miles away. Yeah. So that when people see that, they're like, oh, and they freeze frame it and like type it in. It's never gonna be there. I promise.
0: That's so rad. <laughs> I love that. I think that's
1: <laughs> but it oh got and it's I mean, I hate to say this, but you know, and it and sound like the old guys, but you gotta protect your spots, you gotta protect your stuff. Like I I really respect the people that, you know, do the YouTube thing and grind. Like that's probably the hardest job in professional athlete thing or whatever is doing the YouTube thing. It's unbelievably difficult. And I have the most respect for those people, but at the same time, that's a finite thing. Like they're only going to be able to grind it out for so many years. And during that time, they give up so much stuff every day. And it's just like, I don't think people realize
0: how hard of work that is though,
1: because
0: I'm super good friends with Jamie O'Brien and that guy's, YouTube is insane, right? Like he has millions of followers. People watch his videos. His Instagram is going off. I would go on trips with that guy and it was nonstop from 6 a.m. till 11 at night. If it was filming, editing, whatever it was to get the shot, like, dude, that guy is an entrepreneur. He is such a hard worker. And people say all the time, like, oh, your lifestyle is so easy. It's so mellow. No, dude, what that guy has done to be where he's at right now, I can't do that, you know. Like, and I feel like I'm a good hard worker. Like, there's so many people out there that work so hard, but Jamie and like all these other YouTube
1: guys, they grind so hard. It's incredible. I don't envy them. Like, I, it's, it sucks to say, but the majority of the people that are doing that that I know at least are just. They don't enjoy it. Like, you know, they're over it, you know, and I, I want people that are doing all these sports, you know, that we're, you know, influencing to get into, you know, doing cool stuff to to enjoy it. You know, like don't worry about filming it. Don't worry about taking photos, like go and just do it, like do with your friends and have fun. Like that's, I don't, (laughs) the amount of stuff that I actually show is so minute compared to what I do in everyday life, you know? And that's That's how it should be. Yeah. Same with me though. Like I, dude, I surf every single day,
0: every day that I'm off work or not doing something like I'm surfing and it's not like I'm going to bring a camera with me every day. Same same story, right? Like you're probably out in the ocean, you're with your kids fishing and which I love seeing that because your grandma's frothing (laughs) on it. But, um, yeah, same thing. We're not going to be filming every second
1: of our lives. And here's, so here's another good point. Connor, I have a, a seven year old Connor is just he's in it like whatever it is surfing diving fishing or whatever and we've never pushed him like he didn't start using a snorkel till about a year and a half ago and my wife and I've had the discussion like people would rather see him than me you know because yeah. it's it's fresh it's new or whatever but at the same time like I want him to enjoy it and obviously I can put him on you know the best waves the best fish you know the best hunting all this kind of stuff but I want him to enjoy it and earn it and like you know we had talked about you know, even record, like I record some of the stuff we do and I have tons of video that I've taken of us that, that I, I'm, I'm going to wait until he's 15 or 16 or 18 or whatever and just give it to him be like, Hey, if you want to do something with this, go ahead. But he's so yeah. young right now. Like he doesn't know whether he wants that stuff or not. And I don't want that to be his life. Like I want him to enjoy it. Yeah. And it's again, like, it's sad to see so many people are just in it for the, the quick click, you know, like <laughs> obviously I care that, you know, people enjoy what we're doing and all that kind of stuff, but whether or not social media exists, I'm still going to go out there and do these exact same trips. You know, I'm going to dive in two foot of viz under the bridge at home to get dinner. I'm going to go, you know, surf, you know, three foot wind slop at home. Like, yeah. it's just what we do. It's what we love. I think that it's weird because the, if you're listening right now,
0: and you don't surf you're not a part of the ocean it's just like for me and cameron it's just our lifestyle like cameron like we literally just that's our drive to be in the ocean like for me like if i had no sponsors no social media nothing i would still be in the ocean every single day but we have the opportunity to have those cameras and film stuff and publicize it and show people our lifestyles. And they like to see that. You know what I mean? And we're fortunate to do that. But at the same time, our drive and dedication to do that stuff is why we're there.
1: I mean, it goes without saying like our, our sponsors wish we would film more. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Like we, we should film more of what we do, but there there's days where I'm like, Oh, sweet. Camera's dead. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Those are the best trips, though. I mean, like,
0: I'm going to go down the river in a week and a half from now with my dad, and we're going to salmon fish, go whitewater rafting. We do the trip every year, and I'm putting my phone away. I'm putting
1: everything away, and I just want to enjoy my time. Dude, that was one of the nicest things about being so remote this past week. Like, I had a SAT phone with me, and I'd send a a text home each night and, you know, to the people that, you know, kind of watch where we are or whatever, but (sighs) it was nice not having anything like I miss that, man. It's so rad. I I love those trips. You just enjoy the wilderness and cruise. So the, you know, in spearfishing, like my, my kind of niche that I have now is these really intelligent, charismatic, just good people that are at the pinnacle of whatever business it is. And we have basically unlimited resources, you know, whereas, you know, we used to go and, <laughs> Take the cheapest flight or the cheapest ferry to get to these remote places. Stay in a you know five dollar a night place and spend twenty bucks a day on a boat and just get the crap beat out of us and mosquitoes. Like now we've got private planes and yachts and just you know the best gear and like it's just it's just epic. I want to know your backstory to this. Like, how the hell did you end up to where you are right now? Oh man,
0: so Cause that is ridiculous. Because I literally see you posting that stuff. On yacht, you have your captain's license, right? Yeah. Okay, so you have a captain's license. You're on yachts. You're on freaking
1: <laughs> private planes. How did this start? So I, so I went to the went to the academy, got out of there, and started working on ships. And when I say ships, I mean it, as big as they get. So yeah, well, My license is unlimited tonnage. So you get out of school, you have a third officer. So you got your license from school, or from so you come academy. out of there with a third a third mate or third officer license. Okay. So you work your way up and you get your second mates. You work your way up, you get your first mates. You work your way up, you get your captains. So, I was like, if I'm going to be away, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make as much money as possible, you know. Because when you're away, you're away. Usually it's like four months on, four months off the ship, and you're just traveling around wow. the world. So I just busted my ass the first couple of years and and just moved up really quick. Until I met my wife, I never paid rent. Like I just traveled. Um, <laughs> That's I had so sick, head. dude. <laughs> that is so sick i think cumulatively i had spent like six thousand dollars on three or four different vehicles in 12 years wow you know like i'm sure you've done it as well i can go to australia and like i had like a 500 hundred dollar station wagon (laughs) you know Yeah. yeah yeah but i look back and i'm like i was so frugal and obviously it's helped because now i you know i have a i have a wonderful home i live you know, I have, I have a great car, you know, I, I live in a nice place. Um, but man, I would budget like $18 a day when I was living in Indo and, um, yeah, it was pretty rad. So that's like high rolling there though. Oh dude, I was baller. That's including like five big bintangs a day. Yeah. And, and your stay and
0: food and everything.
1: So, so I worked my way up and on the ships, like you've got you've got a lot of time to yourself. So I would write a lot. So I'd write every, everything about like the trips that I'd just done. And I would look at the charts all day. So I'd look at these charts and going by what I had learned on the time off, figure out that, okay, this place is probably going to have surf. This place is probably going to have the type of diving that I like. Let's put that recipe together and let's go try here and yeah. I'd get off and go travel. And the majority of it honestly was by myself. Like I only had a couple buddies that even had the ability to travel like that. Cause it is expensive. I mean, you, even then like, you know, a thousand dollar ticket to get to the other side of the world's expensive. And when I say travel, like I wasn't going for like a week, I'd go for like two or three months. Like I would just yeah. immerse myself in the places I go. So my drive was always world records. And dog tooth tunas was like the first one that I like really got set on. And after I got that first one, it kind of kicked, kicked me, you know, in the right direction. And I started pursuing different ones. And I think all said and done now I've had 18 or 19 world records. Like I've had a, I've had a ton, you know, in trying to do that, I've come very close too, so I've got some incredible fish that, you know, are not world records, but, um, you know, I, I figured out where and when to go. And one of the neat things about traveling then is, and this, when I say then, I'm talking like early 2000s till probably 2012 or so, 2010. Um, the spearfishing world was extremely small. So I'd show up in Australia. You know, my buddies worked at a, a dive shop there. They'd put me in touch with another guy that spearfished. I'd go dive with him and he'd be like, hey, I know you're going up the coast, meet up with my cousin who lives in uh, you know, um whatever, the GABA. And I'd go up there and, and spend two weeks on that guy's couch, you know, to go diving, you know, half a dozen times, figure that place out, and through him, I'd meet the best diver in the country and dive with him and learn from him, and learn that on these outer islands in Fiji or Tahiti or Tonga or Samoa, there was another guy you know, that was good spear fisherman and, you know, call him, end up there, you know, with foot flops and a backpack, immerse myself there for a month or two months, weather would get bad. I'd go to New Zealand, you know, from, you know, and it just, it just kept going like that. So yeah. as much as I would love to say that I taught myself all this stuff, it's not the case. I learned from so many of the best people in the world and yeah. I retain it you know, like the, the spearfishing world at the time was so small and so many little things like in gear that we take for granted now are a culmination of all that stuff that I learned and my buddies learned. And those original guys that I spearfished with are like all the ones that are running the good companies now around the world. Um, so it was really, really interesting just to be a part of that, you know, whole, you know, development and the, the sport, you know, at the time was so small and in the last, I don't know, eight years or so, 10 years, it's just like blown up. Like I feel like it was surfing 25 years ago. Like it's just the cool thing to do.
0: Yeah. It's it's crazy. Like when I'm on Instagram and stuff and I, I follow a lot of surfing stuff, but like most of the stuff I see on like the sponsored pages are Instagram clips of people spearfishing, which I am absolutely frothing on spearfishing right now, (laughs) But, um, yeah, dude. It's so weird. I feel like it is the new thing. Like it's wild. For the last like five years, it's just been crazy. And like all the equipment and everything's just getting better and better too.
1: Yeah. It, it's been it's been pretty amazing. Like I looked, you know, we made a video to probably 14 years ago, 15 years ago. Um look at the equipment we have and I was like, we were such kooks. Like we didn't yeah. have we had such garbage stuff. Um it's just come light years and what took us a lifetime to learn you can find out in an hour on the internet now like it's crazy but so i was doing all this traveling and stuff and um at the time like i was i was sending emails out and you know about my travels just my basic journal entries and stuff i'd done and one of the times i was in australia like i i was at a random pizza place actually they had a spearfishing magazine, which I didn't even know existed. And I opened it up and like the second page was a picture of me with no my email. And you didn't even know. I didn't even know. I was, like, so I was like, what the hell? So I contacted those guys and started writing more articles come to find out there's, you know, magazines around the world. And I was writing anyway. So I started writing for all the magazines, started doing videos. You know, Salt Life was like a year or two old. Um, you know, I met up with RT and... Um, Salt Life started sponsoring me back in the day, and I had already, you know, been sponsored by Yeti and some other companies. So yeah, I just it just grew from there. So, you know, my plan had always been not to go to sea forever, like to work on the ships. And I didn't know what I was gonna do. Like honestly, I figured I'd probably run one of the spearfishing companies or something, but that didn't work out. And my um, you know, my dad had been fighting cancer for a long time and Ended up passing away, and the, the company I've been working for, um, you know, I asked them. I was like, "Hey, can I take a rotation off, a month on, month off?" This is a big corporate America company. And they're like, "Nope." The way the corporate structure is, you have to resign and reapply. So, a couple months later, you know, I'm chilling at home or whatever, and um, you know, I got a call. Somebody asked me to take him spearfishing, and I was like, "Okay." And they're like, "Well, what are you going to charge?" And I, was, I just told them the same number that I've been making as a captain. And I was making bank as a captain. And uh, they're like, okay, that's fine. Are you kidding me? I was like, Hmm. Okay. And during that trip, the first day, halfway through the day, he's like, Cameron, I know what you were doing for work before this. I know you have a successful career. You're kind of at the pinnacle of what you can do, but you need to do this for a living. He's like, this is, this is a niche that needs to be filled and you're good at it. Like, I, I, I want you to, I want you to set up a trip for, for us in the Bahamas with a yacht for a week and just tell me what you're going to, your charge. And I was like, okay. So I, I started setting that up and by the time I got home from that trip, I got another call from a friend of theirs. And (laughs) Same kind of thing. It was like, you know, we want, we've got a yacht in the Bahamas, you know, we want you to come over and and set everything up top to bottom, blah, blah, blah. And on that trip, same thing, like second day, they're like, whatever you were doing before this, you need to quit. You need to do this full time. But they gave me one of the best words of advice I've ever had. Uh, and it's a, it's a tough one even now to like, think about, but they said, you need to double your rates and cut your clientele in half because the value of what you do, the level of, you know, quality of the trips, the locations, the places you go, like the, you know, the fish, the gear, like the, the knowledge, the photos, the video, like just everything is extremely valuable. And you're going to kill yourself you know, trying to take, you know, everybody in the world doing it. Yeah. And granted, like I I didn't double my rates, but you know, it was one of the best words of advice I've ever got because there's, it's such a hard thing even now to think about, but you know, you can work yourself to the bone every single day and dilute yourself to where you're not going to be as good as you want to be. Yeah. But, I always want to be better than I was yesterday. And it doesn't matter how old I am. Like, it doesn't matter, you know, how many people are doing this. I am always going to do something different and better and new and cooler. And like, that's just the way my mind is set. And in order to do that, like I've just got to keep driving on. And I'm so lucky to have the best clients and everybody has like the same mindset. And It's awesome for people to call and be like, hey, Cam, we've got one week in March. I want to get a yellowfin tuna. Tell me where we need the boat. Tell me when you want to get picked up. We're going to go and do it. That's so sick, dude, because you already
0: had your background of like having your captain's license and everything, too. So you just like. But I don't captain anything. Oh, so they have their captain now. Like you're just cruising. Yeah.
1: Dude, that is so gnarly, dude that's another really interesting thing is like, we're such a strange entity. And I say us because I've got like five or six guys that work for me now and do these trips around the world. Um, The, the yacht crews even say, they're like, we've never had anyone like you guys because you're a guest, but you're working at the same time. And it's true. We are, we're there to, to make sure everybody has the best time ever, but, you know, we, as soon as we get there, we get on these, you know, yachts, we go and tell people like, Hey, whatever you guys need, I don't care what time of day it is. We're here to work. Let us know if you need help scrubbing decks, cleaning windows, cleaning fish, like taking out the trash, whatever you want, just let us know. Yeah. And it's a, it's a really interesting, you know, setup because we're, you know, we're, we're friends with the crews. We're friends with the, you know, the clients and it's all in all, like we're we're so lucky, dude. Like We get to see people at their best, you know, like they're, you know, these, these people that are, you know, running these crazy companies and businesses and like super high stress. They're on vacation. They're at their best. They're with their families. They're getting to do like such cool stuff. And they're just, they're just amazing people. Like I'm, I look forward to, you know, going to, to be with, you know, my clients like I do with my, my family. I mean, they're, you know, they're, it's so cool, dude. Like, I, I don't know. it's pretty rad you know it's it's like a such a strange camaraderie
0: i have to come on a trip with you or we gotta go do
1: a trip somewhere so what do you have what do you have planned coming up what do you have the rest of the the year
0: oh dude i don't know yeah i'm gonna go on that trip with my dad up to oregon we're gonna go uh salmon fish go down the river dude my year i never really plan stuff like the surf industry is so weird
1: you just watch swells and like get ready to roll
0: i literally i'll be on my phone and I'll mm-hmm. look up a swell and be like, oh, dude, how's this swell tomorrow? Like, this thing's nuts. Like, that hurricane that's on the East Coast, I was just looking at that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, should I go to the East Coast and, like, surf the East Coast? That's how I am. Like, I'm like, oh, really? dude, this swell is nuts in Mexico,
1: or this swell is nuts in... So how how does it work for most of the, like, the pro surfers? Like, do they just have a budget with their sponsors to be able to roll?
0: So. Um, somewhat yeah i mean you get a travel budget and stuff the same thing with like the snowboard industry and everything like that like you get a travel budget you get your sponsor money um obviously if you go over your travel budget then you gotta pull it out of your own pocket but it like i i'm very conservative with the way that i spend my money on swells mm-hmm. and stuff if i don't think it's worth it i won't go yeah. um and that's that's just from traveling a lot and being at swells and seeing what they're looking like. It's same thing with fishing, right? Like, you look at the wind or look at the storms that's coming in for, and the currents and everything. You'll be like, I don't know, dude. I don't. I don't think fish are going to be there, right? Like, got to be like, right. Like, yeah, and mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, I don't know if that's worth it, but um, I don't know, man. Like everybody kind of does their thing, and it's weird though because. You say that and when I do pull the trigger on a swell, everybody's there. Really? It's super weird. Like you'll show up and you'll be like, This is weird. Like every single person. Everybody's every on the plane, person. right? Yeah. People are on the plane or like you'll show up and you'll be like, dude, oh, I got a rental car with car with Hertz. And then somebody will be like, Oh, I didn't get a rental car. I was just gonna try to get one right now. I'm like, just hop in the car, dude. We're on. And then they're like, oh, I got the hotel room. All right, sick, dude. I got the rental car. You got the hotel room. It all mm-hmm. equals out. Like, we're on. Dude. And then we just, like, flow
1: with it, dude. It's it's funny. Like,
0: I don't know, man. So, you just look at swells and go.
1: So imagine that, and this gives you a little more insight into, like, what I do. Obviously, I, that's basically what I'm doing is chasing swells, but it's with fish. Yeah. There's a lot on the line. Like, I mean, literally hundreds of thousands of dollars, like, for these trips. Yeah. And it thins the crowd pretty quick for the people that will go no matter what. Like I'm the first to call it off. I'd be like, it's not going to be good. It's not worth it. Let's go somewhere else. Let's can it. Um, And it's, man, that is a tough call to make. But like you said with surf, like it's, I, I, I've always thought of it as my own money. Do you book
0: flights like in advance or do you book it like night before? Because for us, I'm literally booking. I've booked flights like like two hours before my flight because yeah, I'm looking at swells at three in the morning, looking at the buoys to see what it's <laughs> going to do, and then I book the flight at like three in the morning. And then I'm like, "All right, cool. My flight's at six or seven a.m. I got to leave right now."
1: Same. I've got a lot of stuff that's planned out because, like, I know historically, like, it's going to work, and I can yeah. see you know the water temp, the clarity. Um, you know, the current, like I know the fish are there from the captains that are there, but there is some stuff like, like I'll say we're planning on going to North Carolina or whatever in the winter. Well, it's blowing 20 knots and it's eight foot seas. Here's our other three options, you know, within, yeah. you know, a four hour flight and I'll send those to the guys and we'll go. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, I like that stuff. You know, that's how I used to roll. Like I like, like when I, I like when travels
0: just flip flop and you're like, Okay, it looks like we're going here now. But it's also a big difference too because you're spending so much money on fuel and everything. And for me, me, yes, but it's still a lot of money, which even is worse because if you don't put them on the fish, that sucks, dude. Like that's horrible. For me, I spend $1,000 on a plane ticket, maybe a hotel depending on where we're going if I don't know somebody. And I'm like, okay, cool. I lost $1,000 if it's bad
1: now imagine me like, and that, and that's exactly where my mind is at. It's my money. I do not want to lose anybody else's money.
0: No, that's horrible.
1: And that's why I get paid to do what I do is because I've already lost the money myself, you know, making bad decisions. And sure enough, like eventually you're going to have a chance where let's, things aren't going to go great. You might not have the best conditions or whatever, but it's my job to make that call. And that's, you know, your job as a, you know, surf surfer whatever to make that call too. So it's it's yeah. a different level of um you know stress, but
0: wow. yeah. I would be way more stressed on this side. <laughs> I just get there and I'm like, oh it's shitty. Okay, cool. I'm gonna go try it this way over here. And you're like, oh, it's it's bad. Like we just kind of blew it. That's gnarly.
1: It's tough. And I mean the there's plenty of other people that are doing what I'm doing now. And I mean they they show their colors pretty quick, you know, because there's plenty of divers that are fantastic and they're probably better than me or whatever, but I guarantee there's nobody has the experience or has spent as much money as I have personally to figure yeah. out what I know and to know enough to be able to not make those mistakes for someone else. And that's what I get paid Josh, for. You, you are a very
0: well-known spearfisher because I literally was talking to my buddy the other day. His name's Sam Stammy. He's a firefighter mm-hmm. down here. And I was like, Oh yeah, I'm going to do a podcast with Cameron. Connell, and he's like you know not care Connell, dude like you your name in the spearfishing industry is nuts and for me even to be on this podcast with you right now I'm frothing because it's oh, fun I to talk it. to you about this stuff and like get to know you more and more I know we know each other from the past but like just to talk about this stuff dude like and your past like you just said it's nuts like the places you've been the, the fish you've shot is just nuts dude like oh. I'm like FOMO of you for sure. <laughs> I, that's why every single time we talk, I'm like, I want to go fish with you. I want to go spear fish with you.
1: Like we definitely do. As- and that's, that's one of the cool things. Like, you know, we both have such great like sponsorships and yeah, you know, the companies like do a really good job of like getting everybody together. I have got some cool stuff coming up. Oh, did, did you get the pictures of the sled that I just sent you? Oh dude. On your phone. We're going to show everybody that right now. Tell them that story. Dude,
0: Cause I was, when you told me that, I I just didn't know what to expect. I can't wrap your head around it. I expected what you sent me, but I was like, what the heck? Like this thing's gnarly.
1: So one of my one of my my best sponsors, such a random amazing like group of people is BRP who have like Sea-Doo and Can-Am and all this stuff. So they uh that is a that is a sled that goes behind my boat that my Sea-Doo goes on. So I had this thing built. It's like a rescue sled that goes on the back of a sea dew that like, you know, they rescue people in big, big surf. And there's a guy named Todd Bradley in Hawaii. um, And I think it's called waterman something or other, but you know, I'm trying to figure out how to get my sea doos, which are massive. They're like 13 foot. These, these fish pros that we have are insane. They're like, I want to dude. you don't know how bad
0: I want to get one of those. Like, I talked to Ryder about it. I've talked to so many. Cuyahua oh, Belly in Brazil has a sea stuff. Like, it? dude, I want one. Like, I want to try one. I want to get a freaking sea
1: Michelle Perez so, has one in, in Tahiti as well. Yeah, they're insane. So anyway, so we're, I've got the these fish pros and we're trying to figure out how to get them to the Bahamas. It's a long way. Like, where I want to, I, and this is the other challenge is like, I never want to go like 10 miles. I want to go to like 150 miles. I want to go past. Yeah. Where else is that? <laughs> You're so <laughs> sketchy. The 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 CDOs are they're they're so sick. Like the technology on them is so badass. Like and it's standard. Like on the Fish Pro, you've got a, a GPS with a depth finder, yep. fishing rod holders, and speakers. Like it's so rad. Do you know Do so, you know Neil Holiday? I think he went out and caught a bluefin the other day out that way. Yeah, yeah, he was with Pelts. Dude, yeah, he works,
0: he works for Cedar now. And he, I saw him the other day when we went bluefin fishing, and he had his ski there. And I was like, oh, that thing's sick. I didn't even know he was on the ski. But yeah, he ended up getting one.
1: Yeah, that, I, I think I, I helped make that connection. But anyway, so we're trying to figure out how to get these things really remote. And I've got two of them that need to go literally 200 miles from my house. So we looked at shipping them, and it was going to be like 20,000 to ship them. So this guy, Todd, makes those rescue sleds for big wave surfing. And um, he's like, dude, I'll make you one for the back of the boat. And you put the Sea-Doo on that. Dude, like, so done. Do it. So we made this this thing for it. And we're going to send it to the east side of the Bahamas where there's actually killer swell. So do, um, do your skis just go right here in the center? Yeah, one. It only fits one. Like the, the okay. Sea-Doo's that I have are the biggest ones they make. They're like 13 feet long yeah those things are massive so you put it on there and you can run like a bat out of hell you can run as fast as you want with the big boat yeah so we're gonna run those things across and have them over there in the bahamas and then i think we've got we're gonna probably do like a three or four day trip with cdo do a photo trip and like brody moss was supposed to come across but it's been so tough with like all the covid stuff like we've canceled a couple trips now but honestly like that's one to be awesome for you to do like if you can come and do that like I'll tell you. You can do step offs, toe ends, whatever. I will put you in any wave you want
0: if I can come fish with you. Dude, I'm so down. Okay. I'm Dude. serious.
1: Like I, I need people to do it. So tell me a time and I'm there. But um yeah, that gives us versatility. Like having those things, like I've honestly have never dove off something easier. Because you're like cruising along, you can see the fish on the depth finder, you can be over the right over the spot. You've got your gun and everything tied off with a line to the sea Yeah, right on the spot you jump in you shoot the stuff it's like this high off the water you get right in two people on there no problem got the boards on the back you go surf like those things are so rad
0: yeah they're insane and you can go freaking do step-offs all day long
1: yeah i i hated like jet skis and stuff growing up those things are so awesome now it's it's a personal watercraft like it's a it's a way to like dive and fish and do cool stuff like i hope you can make it dude you're it, it, you'll never look back if you get on one of those. I was talking to Neil the other day, dude. I
0: was, he was like, yeah, I, I can just bring an extra ski and we'll go. And I was like, I'm yeah, exactly. I'm in, let's go. I want to try this. Like that looks so sick, dude.
1: Those things are insane. Insane. Uh, so bucket list, what's still on your bucket list of what you want to do? Oh God. Um, I,
0: I'm really, 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 really scared of Nazare, but I really want to serve Nazare. That's like, one of the spots I want to surf, and I've talked to so like Dame O'Haggood, dude. He's like, This place is so sketchy, but yeah, that's kind of one of the spots I want to surf. I don't know, like, I like cheating death,
1: paddle or tow.
0: I, yeah, I want to paddle it for sure, but dude. I don't like towing in, like, yeah, if it's to the point where you have to tow in, I'm like, mm, I'm sure you could still paddle it, but. I don't know. I just, I really like paddling. Like, there's something about paddling. I just, you get more scared. You're more nervous. Yeah. You're lower in the water. Like, if you see a set coming that's going to clean you up, you're just like, I'm really screwed right now. Like, I like that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, dude, what's your like gnarliest dive? Like, how far down can you dive? I don't know. I, I've never been a depth guy. Like, 100 feet? Basically. Can you go 100 feet? Oh, yeah. Like, no bro. See, that is messed up, dude. I've done like, I did 60 feet in a free diving course. One time we were breathing up, we had safety there and I thought I was going to drown. Like I literally thought I was going to die because I was getting contractions on the way up. I can't do
1: that. There's such a difference between what we do. Like there really is. And you think like, again, like they say that whatever you can hold your breath as a static, which is just basically laying in the water, holding your breath for a time. Half of that should be a working dive. If you're in great yeah. shape and everything's perfect. So say I can hold my breath for four minutes. So I should be able to do a two minute dive, which is a what, 120 seconds or so. So I should Jeez. be able to dive 60 meters. Cause you That's can do so a fast meter fast. per second. And I'm, I probably could, I have no desire to go deep. It, I don't like it. There's nothing down there for me past like 90 or hundred foot when I like lay on the bottom and stuff, my ears fill with water and I can only do like a dozen dives or so. I love that kind of like 70 to 90 foot stuff. Cause it's, it's just past what everybody else can do usually. And like my hunting ability is much stronger than my, my diving ability, but my, my diving ability is pretty strong, <laughs> you know, but there there's guys that are just freak divers. And I remember, when I was like first finding out about, you know, the fact that other people spearfished, there was a guy that could hold his breath underwater for like four minutes. And me and my cousin were like, there'd be nothing alive in the ocean if we could do a four minute dive, but you have to have the combination of hunting ability, dive ability. Yeah. So it's oh God. But at the same time, like I I've I've been pummeled at, you know, beach breaks and it's probably like 10 seconds and you're just like, dude the worst
0: injuries i've ever had are like three to four feet yeah like getting pounded in small beach breaks sucks like i'd rather go get a 40 foot wave at mavericks and get absolutely drilled than go to like ocean side and get a five foot wave that is beach break with the currents and everything like i don't know what it is but i've ruptured my eardrum i've torn my meniscus torn my mcl like all those little beach breaks destroy me because I feel so confident in smaller waves. And then I try stupid stuff and then you just get yeah. destroyed, dude. Like
1: it's all the it's times so- I've been hurt on the reef. Like I prefer reef breaks to beach breaks. Like all the times I've been hurt on the reef and been when it's small, you know, you're mm-hmm. like, ah, it's small. Like we're at lacerations. You know, there's a reason it's called that. Yeah, You know, let, let's just mess around on the inside. Oh, okay, it's barreling. Let's, oh, no, nope, bad idea. <laughs> but it's, it's the same thing with diving though, right? Isn't like all the gnarly injuries shallow water or a lot of them? That's a longer conversation, but 90% of blackouts happen on the surface,
0: which yes. blackout
1: means it's the end of your breath hold and you're out of oxygen, you pass out. 9% yeah. happen in the first 15 feet and the other 0.9% happened below that and the 0.09% is heart attacks it's wow there's a lot of factors contributing to that it's the end of your dive you've gone down and come all the way back up there's a big pressure change there's a lot to it yeah. and for everybody watching this if you're interested in free diving or surfing big waves like go take a class i wish that stuff yeah. existed like when i was a kid yeah like i didn't take a class till about 10 years ago and i was like nobody's teaching me anything about free diving and like after one hour, I, I was like, holy cow, how are we alive?
0: <laughs> I think the BRAG course, Big Wave Risk Assessment Group, that is the probably the best course I've ever taken in my life. And they do that all over the world, and they teach you so much about safety. And that is probably the only reason I'm alive still, and a lot of people really? are alive. Like, the BRAG course is so rad, like, for, for big wave surfing, obviously, but, like, even small, small waves, too. Like, drag course is insane
1: just relaxing, relaxing probably probably and just crazy. knowing what to do like it, it's everybody learns how to get back to the surface on their own you know but yeah. having someone teach you the best ways to actually do it and the best timing and technique and blah 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 makes a big difference like it's it's eye-opening so yeah i don't plan on surfing any giant waves anytime soon but you still enemy. like it to get me motivated to go out here it's got to be big you know like yeah. it just it just doesn't do much for me unless it's big. But um, the stuff you guys get well, into well, is pretty gnarly.
0: It's probably late there, huh?
1: Yeah. But, dude, thanks oh for my, the time.
0: Yeah, dude, that was sick having you on here. I'm super stoked I got you on finally. Your travel bug is just hitting you right now.
1: Yeah. Got to do it, man. It's what, it's what drives yeah. me. Thanks, everybody, for listening in to Above and Below.
0: And, uh, Cameron, thanks for coming on, dude. I really appreciate it, and we're stoked to have you on here.
1: Yeah, buddy. Cheers. We'll talk to you soon.
0: Thanks for listening to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Real Salt Life. If you've enjoyed this podcast, rate and review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast to help spread the word. Stay salty. You.